This is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, building futures close to home at campuses in Morgantown, Kaiser, and Beckley. Information at wvu.edu. Embassy Suites by Hilton Charleston, an all-suite hotel and conference center minutes from Yeager Airport and Capital Market. Reservations and brasserie dining information available at hilton.com. Segra, providing fiber-based communication solutions. Segra, freedom to grow. More information at segra.com. Welcome back to the legislature today. I'm Bob Brunner. Thanks for joining us for tonight's coverage of the 2023 legislative session. Today's the last day that bills with a few exceptions can pass out of the House of Delegates and cross over to the Senate. The Senate's rules are a little different and that day happens in the upper chamber next week. After hearing stories in the House of Delegates about health care provider misconduct and foster families not getting their proper funds, a proposal to split the Department of Health and Human Resources into three different positions was up for a final vote today. Randy Yoey has the story and the outcome. Health Committee Chair Amy Summers, a Republican from Taylor County, introduced House Bill 2006 to divide the DHHR into the Department of Health, the Department of Human Services, and the Department of Healthcare Facilities, effective January 1, 2024. Last year, Governor Jim Justice vetoed a bill to divide DHHR in two. Summers said House Bill 2006 incorporates findings from the Justice-ordered McChrystal Report. The bill requires DHHR leaders to implement a plan to streamline administrative services and reduce overall costs. Delegate Mike Pushkin, a Democrat from Kanawha County, was one of many in the chamber who called the bill a good first step. Pushkin detailed troubling allegations that he said demanded an organizational change. Last week we received uh, emails and calls from foster and kinship families who were not receiving uh, their rate payments uh, for helping to take care of uh, children who have nobody else to take care of them. This morning we received messages from adoptive parents who aren't receiving their subsidies. People's checks are bouncing. People are not able to pay their bills. The folks who are stepping up in this state and opening up their homes to children who are in state custody, uh, we're not taking care of them. We had a bill that was, went through the other day to give uh, tax breaks uh, f for, these, for these families. And uh, now we are failing to take care of the people who are stepping up to take care of, of children who need help in this state. If this bill uh, helps that, then we should all vote for it. Summers closed comment on the bill by answering the why regarding the need to split up and closely monitor a DHHR division. She highlighted decades of DHHR crisis mismanagement, organizational conflicts, a lack of budget transparency, all accentuated by stories heard over a year of interviews. A consumer was repeatedly sprayed with a water hose for non-compliance of staff directions. A consumer overdosed on a staffer's medication and died. 
A consumer had her shirt sleeves tied in a knot so she couldn't use her hands for 24 hours a day except to get a shower. Three staffers withheld CPR from one of their clients and the person died. A consumer who required supervision was able to get keys to a facility-owned vehicle and they crashed and died in a fiery car. The list goes on and on. House Bill 2006 passed third reading 95-3 to and goes to the Senate for consideration. The House received a similar bill, Senate Bill 126, on the first day of the legislative session. For the legislature today, I'm Randy Yowie. A bill allowing the foster care ombudsman more authority to protect children in the state care passed the Senate unanimously today. As Appalachia Health News reporter Emily Rice explains, that bill's been through many amendments before today's vote. To the rules. The foster care ombudsman, a position allowed for by legislation passed in 2019 and 2020, advocates for the rights of foster children, investigates and resolves complaints, and provides assistance to foster families, among other responsibilities. House Bill 3061 will permit the foster care ombudsman to investigate reported allegations of abuse and neglect for critical incidents and to investigate children placed in the juvenile justice system. Senator Charles Trump, a Republican from Morgan County, spoke to the importance of the bill. We report it to the DHHR. We've spent money, this state government, this legislature, has funded DHHR, has set up a hotline where people can report uh, allegations of child abuse or neglect. And it's sad that it happens, but it does happen in this state, Mr. President. And I think most people who've studied it and analyzed it will agree that our opioid crisis, you know, has, has inflamed that, has increased the numbers. Our law requires when reports are made to the DHHR, the hotline of suspicions of child abuse or neglect, that those reports are anonymous. We protect the anonymity of the reporters. And our law requires that those allegations, Mr. President, be investigated. That's why we have uh, child protective services. That's the point of the money we've, we've allocated child protective services workers throughout the state, assigned them to uh, different offices and regions of the DHHR to do that important work. House Bill 3061 was approved unanimously by the Senate and was made effective from passage on Tuesday. It now goes to the governor's desk for his signature. Reporting for the legislature today, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston. The Senate's Education Committee met this morning to discuss a number of issues, including hunger on the state's college campuses. Senate Bill 57A, titled the Hunger-Free Campus Act, would require the West Virginia Higher Education Policy Commission to establish a grant program to address food insecurity among students enrolled in public institutions of higher education. Per the bill, colleges and universities working toward a hunger-free designation would need to establish a campus hunger task force, provide at least one physical food pantry on campus, provide options to use SNAP benefits at campus stores, and several other requirements. The committee heard from two leaders of the State Advisory Council of Students, Isabella Griffiths of Marshall University and Stella Dunn 
of Concord University. Students often will skip meals or they'll rely on cheap um, sources of food that aren't nutritious, they don't keep them full, and they aren't able to focus in class. Um, and the foods are often processed with low nutritional value, which doesn't help students feed their bodies and then feed their minds. Um, and this issue does threaten a student's ability to focus in class, um, stay in school, and ultimately graduate and join the workforce um, and feel like a part of the campus community. Um, so we feel like this is a really important issue on both of our campuses. Griffiths and Dunn previously presented to the Joint Standing Committee on Education during the January interim session, sparking interest in the issue among many legislators present. A committee substitute for Senate Bill 578 now heads to the Senate Finance Committee. Fraud is a major problem for senior citizens around the country and in West Virginia. Two bills making their way through the legislature may help protect some of our most vulnerable citizens. Randy Yowie has this report. Surrounded by AARP members from across the state, Auditor J.B. McCuskey joined with House and Senate bill sponsors to help protect West Virginia seniors. House Bill 3250 and Senate Bill 576 are jointly titled the Victim Restitution Assistance Bills. Their proposals establish a fund to help all victims of securities violations, with an emphasis on helping seniors and vulnerable adults. Federal studies show senior fraud is the most underreported financial crime, committed through mail, phone, internet, social media, and more. The bills would return up to 50% of losses from those over 65 years old, 25% for all others. Senate bill sponsor Ryan Weld, Republican from Brook County, said as a prosecutor, he found many of these scammers were people thought to be close to and trusted by the victim. Unfortunately, had a lot of cases where Family members would steal from their grandparents, from their parents, because they suffered from an addiction and they didn't realize what they were doing to their family. And oftentimes those victims were, were older people. Again, they were their grandparents, they were the older adults. And at the end of the day, they had no way of getting that money back because their child or their grandchild or their family member had spent it all on drugs. McCuskey said the bill funding would come from business fees paid to his office, not from taxpayer funds. The two bills are expected to be introduced and go to committees this week. For the legislature today, I'm Randy Yowie. Today is also Valentine's Day, and the American Heart Association was in the rotunda promoting heart health. Chris Schulz has that story. The American Heart Association is tracking the heart health of the state's legislature this session by checking their blood pressure at the beginning middle, and end of the session. With 35 days gone and 25 remaining, today was that middle point. I got my blood pressure checked out, and at 130 over 80, I'm sure my cardiologist is proud. Holly Mitchell is the Community Impact Director for West Virginia with the American Heart Association. She says the blood pressure tracking can be informative for state leaders as West Virginia leads the nation in high blood pressure. Unfortunately, in West Virginia, we're number two in the nation for hypertension. And um, what's really important is it takes a minute to get some of the doctors and things like that. So I work with clinics and some community organizations to provide blood pressure cuffs for folks to kind of monitor their own blood pressure and have a relationship with their provider if they have some issues that they know where they stand with their um, heart health and they can actually start doing something about that immediately and get on a program to lower their blood pressure. 
Left untreated, hypertension can do serious damage to the body's circulatory system and can ultimately contribute to heart attack, stroke, and other health threats. Mitchell says this year's legislative focus is on getting funding into schools for CPR training. Our focus is definitely hypertension, nutrition, vaping and smoking, and also CPR. So we're trying to get anybody that they, they don't think they don't know how to do CPR is to get trained. Okay, life-saving skill definitely, especially with students, you know, in schools. You know, you might be a difference. You don't have to be certified to save a life, but you there is a way to do it. The third and final blood pressure check-in for lawmakers is March 7th, during the last week of the session. For the legislature today, I'm Chris Schultz. West Virginia often gets poor grades for the state's citizens' health. Recently, the American Lung Association rated the state as failing when it comes to a number of categories relating to smoking cessation. WVPB's health reporter Emily Rice sits down with Delegate Matthew Rohrbach, a Republican from Cabell County and also a doctor. Thanks, Bob. Today I'm welcomed by Delegate Matthew Rohrbach. Thank you so much for joining me to talk about uh, tobacco cessation and heart health on Valentine's Day here. Thank you for joining me. Well, certainly appropriate topic for this day and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so I wanted to talk about some of the legislation that you all are putting through this session about tobacco cessation in the state. Um, a big part of that was in reaction to the American Lung Association's report. Uh, did you get a chance to I did. see that? Okay. Yeah. So obviously failing grades. We're not very excited about that. We got um, Fs, we got one D. Yeah, um, that's pretty sad that the best we got was air. one D. Exactly. So we wanted to talk about that and what uh, the legislation that you all are working on is doing to improve those grades. Well, obviously, as you said, we're one of the most tobacco addicted states in the country and uh, we need to do better. It's a tremendous health burden. Uh, study after study going back decades have shown that tobacco use increases health care costs mm -hmm. and it, it shows up in the cost of our insurance in the state of West Virginia and it really does impact uh, employers in lost days of employment, uh, sick time. So this is a problem and it's been a problem for a long time but it's, it's time that we get serious about doing something and, and it's all just to get West Virginia healthy because one of the things that I think you could hopefully see one of the themes of this past few years in this legislature has been economic development. But to some degree, we're hampered by that if we don't have a healthy workforce. And it's difficult for us to lead the nation in tobacco use, diabetes, obesity, uh, cancer, those types of things, and expect that, that you know employers look at these things. So this is just another part of economic development is that we have to have a well-trained, healthy workforce. And I'm firmly convinced that if we do that, employers are going to come to the state of West Virginia. Yeah. That's a really interesting way to look at it as well from a, from a workforce perspective there. Um, you had mentioned to me before we were on camera that, um, you know, while you're not a doctor that deals directly with the lungs, um, you are a gastroenterologist, correct? Yeah, you're correct. I'm that's my day job. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the legislation that you're working on has to do with uh, age. So obviously the age for smoking in West Virginia is already 21. Uh, or are you trying to 
input that? Or are you trying to put bigger restrictions? Well, no, I don't think we're trying to go past. One, one of the okay. problems is that there's a little bit of inconsistency now. Under federal law, uh, we, you know, federal law has Tobacco 21, or otherwise known as T21. And unfortunately, though, our state laws don't sync up with that. Mm -hmm. So technically, they're, they're still T18, but you can't really go out here and buy, or you shouldn't be able to buy tobacco because the retailers have to follow the federal law. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that we go out and do audits on from time to time. So what we're trying to do is to sync the state and the federal law up. Now, there'll be those that will say, well, well, we need to go to 18. And the problem is that's just not where the federal government's at, and we've got a lot of funding tied to that. Okay. Uh, plus, there's numerous studies that show that the longer you can delay people from getting hooked on tobacco, mm -hmm. the less likely they will to ever be hooked on tobacco. Yeah. And so what your bill is doing is cementing the fact that we're in adherence with federal law. Okay. That would be correct. Okay, absolutely. Um, and Senator Tukubo couldn't be here with us today, but he's working on a piece of legislation to further um, tax tobacco products and kind of a deterrent way of people, getting people to stop smoking. But it's one of the ways that the American Lung Association actually suggested was to raise taxes on those kind of products. Um, is that something that you all have looked at at all over in the House? Well, the House has, has briefly discussed it, but I, it, frankly, with a $2 billion budget surplus, I, I don't believe this legislature is going to pass any tax increases on, on anything, tax on any good or service uh, at this point in time. It's, it's a little difficult to, to get that in, a, in such an environment with the surpluses that we currently have. So I, I don't think at this current time there's any appetite for that in the uh, House of Delegates. Okay. Absolutely. And so another big topic that I wanted to talk about was vaping and flavored tobacco products. So yeah. It gets really confusing for people when we're trying to legislate against it. Um, if you could speak to that just a little bit. Well, of course, that's an area where the federal government's been pretty active as well, particularly through the Food and Drug Administration, of uh, at least banning flavor that's being uh, sold to our youth. And that's a it's another area that we've looked at a number of things, uh, just as tobacco was 50 years ago, vaping is being targeted at our youth. And we're having a tremendous problem in our schools, and the vaping devices are so small now that it's, it's really even hard for the classroom teacher to detect that, that kids are vaping right there in the classroom. So unfortunately, uh, Another bill that I've felt pretty strong about in the past is, is requiring a signature for a receipt because you can order vaping products through the mail and a lot of kids are unfortunately doing that and getting the packages before the parents get home and the parents aren't even aware that they're vaping. Hmm. Uh, now the FDA has uh, taken steps against uh, flavors in vaping products and, and you know, that, that, those are clearly targeted right at our youth. There's, there's no question about that. 
So uh, I just don't think we know the long-term health effects of vaping. Uh, England, for instance, now you can only use vaping if it's in association with a tobacco cessation program. Mm -hmm. So they've really restricted the, the access to, uh, we'll say, non-medical prescription mm -hmm. of vaping products. And I wanted to touch on that as well. Um, in the American Lung Association's report, they were talking about the difference in true cessation uh, rather than vape cessation. Could you speak to well, differences in that real quick? Yeah, I mean, it, it, th there's no question that, that vaping is a, it's a viable way to help people get off of tobacco products. Uh, so I don't think we should do anything to restrict that, but I, I think hope, hopefully going forward, we can look at ways that vaping will be uh, used more in a medicinal purpose, but for now, I'd, I don't think the recreational use of vaping is going to go away in this country. That doesn't seem to be where people are at. But uh, people will tell you that vaping is just as addictive, and the studies will indicate it's just, just as addictive as tobacco addiction. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and they're both, um, you know, I, I don't think the evidence shows either one of them are probably very good for people's health. So you mentioned uh that kids will be able to order these before their parents even realize that they have them. Um, could you speak to trying to legislate for the future, trying to make laws for these kind of ever-evolving issues? You know, this is something well, we wouldn't have even to, considered. To me, the, the, the key law, and unfortunately it failed two years ago, the key law is prevention. Mm. We spend a just a pitifully low amount of money on tobacco prevention every year in this state. And most of this problem is geared at our teens. So to me, the key law was when we tried to take the interest that had been earned off the tobacco settlement money, which is otherwise known as rainy day B, and start to spend a certain percentage of that every year on tobacco prevention particularly in our schools and with our youth, because that's the way you're really gonna combat this, is more preventive efforts. And so prevention is also a big part of the report that I keep referring to as well. Um, so again, we've got these statistics. We've got 22% of adults in West Virginia smoking cigarettes. We've got 40.46% of high school students using tobacco products. That's just astronomical. Um, what do you think we could do for teenagers to enact that prevention mindset a little bit more? One of the best programs that this state has and we barely funded are the RAISE programs in our schools. I mean the, the, the tobacco companies and the vaping companies will advertise to convince our children that using their products is cool. But we don't get any money into the counter argument that, you know, you, you, you can have a happy, successful life and not use their products. And that's the whole, you know, that's what Braze is all about, is to, is to get some peer pressure in our schools going the other way. There's certainly enough peer pressure to use it. How about some peer pressure from their peers not to use tobacco products? So that's, uh, the, to me, Raise is absolutely the best for the, for the monies expended, that's the best program state government supports. Wonderful. And so how are things looking for 
the bill that you're working on that's going to be HB 2051 that has to do with the age restrictions is would you say that everybody's kind of on the same page? Well, I think the House and the Senators agreement is just we've got to get the bill through and hopefully we can. But I just hope that people realize that, that we, we've this is all geared. There's no sinister plot here. The, I guess the sinister plot is to get West Virginia a healthier place and that should be a, a very good tool for workforce development because people look at this kind of stuff. Absolutely. Well, we are just about out of time here. Let's talk about um, Prevention Day on January 11th. We had a big group of kids here ready to talk about tobacco cessation. How was that? Oh, that's one of the best days of the year. The, yeah. the kids all come from their various school and each schools will make t-shirts for the kids. And, and again, it's, it's a special day for the kids to show that they're fighting back against the public perception that you're not cool if you don't use tobacco. No, as a matter of fact, you are cool if you don't use tobacco. But it's all led by the, the children in our schools. And, and to me, that's just, it's a fantastic day. I always, that's one of the days that I look forward to the most in the legislature, is when our young children come forward and show that they are becoming the leaders in their school and they're helping to form the thought that, no, as a matter of fact, you don't have to use tobacco to, to fit in. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you. Back to you, Bob. Thanks for that, Emily. Tune into the legislature today, Monday through Friday at 6. We'll have more news and interviews from the 2023 legislative session. And remember, West Virginia Public Broadcasting covers the session daily in our radio news program, West Virginia Morning, and on our news site at wvpublic.org. We also broadcast the daily floor sessions of both the House and Senate on the West Virginia channel, and we stream those on YouTube as well. I'm Bob Runner. Thanks for joining us. Have a great evening. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, building futures close to home at campuses in Morgantown, Kaiser, and Beckley. Information at wvu.edu. Embassy Suites by Hilton Charleston, an all-suite hotel and conference center minutes from Yeager Airport and Capital Market. Reservations and brasserie dining information available at hilton.com. Segra, providing fiber-based communication solutions. Segra, freedom to grow. More information at segra.com.